Welcome into the SIG Podcast with Draft Vogel. I'm John Vogel, the host. Justin Gamble, Mark Jarvis in the studio, and special guests getting ready to join us. It's a special episode of the SIG Podcast Network, our first quarterback coming on here. But first, Shane, we got an intro to get through, so hit it. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the SIG Podcast with Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the sickest NFL Draft show, it's going to be sick. And the sickest podcast in the draft media is brought to you by DraftKings, of course. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the DraftKings code SICKSPORTS, just like the network, to get uh, $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet $5 on just any NFL bet. we got the playoffs coming up. we got some good stuff to get into there. So make sure that you do that because guess what? The crown, it's yours. Joining me now is Justin Gamble and Mark Jarvis. Uh, guys, we got a guest that we're going to have to warm up in here, but first, are we doing all right tonight? <laughs> I'm a little sad. I found out Nick Saban retired. I didn't know. That. Yeah. I took a so nap we, woke all up, week. Yeah, woke up, I was like, all right. All week. But, Nick Saban yeah. is retired. He's gone. The yeah. greatest, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Maybe the greatest. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark, yeah. how you doing, buddy? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of tired, yeah. sad people tonight. But hey, look, we got some somebody to raise our spirits. And let's go ahead and welcome in Mr. Austin Reed quarterback western kentucky nfl draft prospect headed to the shrine bowl austin man you got any positive vibes to bring to us with all the sadness and tiredness well i'm back in florida where it's nice and sunny and warm so i guess that's positive that yeah that's yeah he's got a point there you're the you're the southernmost out of us all because gam's in colorado yeah it's freezing here so i'm pretty jealous florida jarvis is in ohio I'm in Tennessee, and it's pretty cold here right now, so it is what it is. But, hey, man, I'm glad that you had the opportunity to come on here and join us. Um, been talking to you this year. Been excited to watch you all year. I watched you a lot last year. And one of the things that we like to do on this show is we like to get into nitty-gritty details about the position, how you play it, you know, uh, stuff that I guess we don't normally talk about on the media side of things. So I told you, before, and, you know, when we were getting ready for this, Get nerdy, man. Get your nerd on. Let's get ready. So the first thing that I want to start out with you is just a little bit about you and your career. Uh, you were at the University of West Florida, where you won a national championship, and then you went moved on to Western Kentucky. Uh, what was the biggest difference from you going from Western Florida or West Florida to Western Kentucky, and what was the biggest thing that you noticed in that uptick? Yeah, I, I think the obvious answer is the speed of everything. You know, I think obviously there's a lot more speed at the Division One level. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, I played at Division Two level. You know, I played against Cater Co, who, who's starting for the Dolphins now. I played against Duggar, who starts for the Patriots now. And, you know, I, I played against a lot of really good defensive players at the Division Two level. And, you know, I think the biggest difference personally is kind of that front seven. Uh, I think there's a lot of really good, talented, skilled players at every every level. Uh, and I played against some really good ones, and I played with some really good ones as well. And, you know, that biggest difference I've really seen is that O-line, D-line. You know, that, that front seven's a, a bit different story once you get to that next level, but definitely a little bit faster for sure, too. Yeah. 
Well, first off, good to have you on, buddy. Um, please feel relaxed, feel laid back. This is the, the most laid back interview you're going to have for the next <laughs> couple months, for sure. Um, yeah, you're going to have... You're going to have some serious conversations uh, coming up with some serious people, but hopefully uh, this is just three goons shooting the shit with a quarterback, so feel free to just chill. Um, but, yeah, good to have you on. Uh, sure. I, you know, last few weeks when we knew you were, we were having you on, I kind of dug into your background and um, the coaches you played for and, you know, your career, and it, it's in your tape, first off. Your tape was great, man. It was really fun to watch. I like watching sure. the airman at uh, Western Kentucky under Coach Helton. When you were at West Florida – and then, you know, Coach Helton comes calling. Were you aware of his background at USC or Tennessee in the air raid? Or was that how big of a part, like how big of um, your decision went into that whole type of thing? Were you, were you concerned where you're going to go and what type of offense you're going to play in? Yeah, I mean, Coach Helton kind of laid out the, the game plan for me when I was in the portal and when I visited Western Kentucky. Um, you know, he, he explained, you know, his time at, at Western Kentucky the first time around when he was with Brandon Dowdy and Mike White. And then, you know, how he had the success he had at SC with Darnold. And then, you know, the success he then had with Bailey the year before. And, you know, he kind of laid out the roadmap like, hey, man, we had success with a small school guy moving up to FBS the year before. If anybody can tell you, like, hey, you're going to move up to this level and be successful, you know, we can. And so that was really like just seeing his pedigree of quarterbacks, you know, going all the way back to when he was at UAB and he had Joe Webb. You know, he has – he has a really good history of quarterbacks. He has a really good job yeah. with that. And he laid out the plan he had for me specifically. And so I can't kind of made it pretty easy after saying all that. Were you, were you psyched to know like, Hey, I'm going to go throw the ball 40, 50 times a game or would it, you know, cause he, we just watched a quarterback win the national championship and he completed 10 passes and nothing against him, but it's sometimes it's not the most fun football to watch. But then you turn on Western Kentucky last two years and I'm watching you throw the ball 50 times a game. I'm like, this is pretty fun. You know, this is, it's more aesthetically pleasing. So how does that feel for you as the quarterback? Is that something you're excited about? Yeah, you definitely can't complain. I mean, who doesn't want to go out there and throw the ball 40 times a game? Uh, it's yeah. fun. You know, I've seen in my career, though, as my years have gone on, I do value the run game a lot more than I probably did as a girl or a 20-year-old at my early stage of college. Uh, but, I mean, obviously I'm never going to complain if the coach is calling a bunch of pass plays. I'll go out there and rip it a bunch. Sometimes I rip it a little too much, but <laughs> – <laughs> I'll go out there and throw it as many times as you need me to, Coach. I like, mean, cool. when you got Malachi Corley out there, it's pretty easy to say, I'm going to sling this thing around, right? I mean, what was it like playing with him? What kind of And Davis, too. Da Davis yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. 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 You know, Mally was a fun player, fun guy to be around, really positive player. You know, dug into his craft a lot. Uh, you know, did what the team asked him to do. Obviously, was just a freak. I think the film speaks for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like talking about the stuff that people don't see because everybody sees how good he is on the field. And everybody sees how like explosive he is. And obviously after the catch, but you know, for me being his roommate for a year, living together and then, you know, sharing like the off the field stuff is when you truly see why Mally is so successful. And he was obviously a great teammate to have and made my job easy and made it look good a lot. And I appreciate it ton for sure. That's Jarvis. Put it here. Yeah, you mentioned that you kind of early on in your career when you're, you know, young 20-year-old, you didn't appreciate the run game as much, but you've come to appreciate it. What kind of caused that to where you kind of came around? You're like, oh, you know, I think I, I do appreciate the run game. Yeah, when you see a ton of three-double cloud because the team knows you're going to throw <laughs> the ball 45 times a game, it makes you really appreciate when you can run the ball and get them out of that. So, you know, we saw a lot of that this year uh, and last year. You know, we see a lot of 
whether it's drop eight, three double cloud, whether it's some sort of Tampa two, whether it's just some form of like quarters coverage. We saw a lot of coverages where teams were just getting out of there. And, you know, when you can establish that run game and really like force the defense to get out of that, to have to put more people in the box, they maybe have to show you more man like coverages because they have to put more people in the box. That ultimately opens up the pass game and makes it a lot easier. You're not having to fit in such tight windows. You're able to make more like favorable throws than you would have to when you're seeing all that drop eight. So I've noticed that like, you know, you, you got a team who can, like, if you got a team who comes out there, they play drop eight, they play cover, like three double cloud, and you're able to run the ball early, you see them get out of that, and then it just makes your job a lot easier as a quarterback. And from personal experience of seeing so much of that coverage, you realize, like, oh, it's nice to be able to run the ball early in a game and establish that. So your confidence in, in facing that, did it – I don't want to say did it go down as you kind of got more experience. Like, you wanted to – how do I put this? As your career went on, you kind of grew to respect those difficult coverages more and not necessarily test those as much? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've thrown stupid interceptions every year of my career, so I don't – you know, that's just part yeah. of being a slinger and being in the air raid offense, and I live with those, and I, I like, acknowledge those. But, you know, it's – obviously, when you can – when you kind of get more into football and more in your depth of knowledge of football, you kind of realize, like, why teams do certain things. You know, there's a lot of the average fan that just sits there and goes, like – gosh, why do they keep handing the ball at the middle and only getting a yard or two every time? Why don't they just drop back and throw four verts? And it's like, you really got to understand like how much complimentary football leads to success. And so like, as I got older, I realized like, Hey, I'm getting a four, one box. Right. And you know, I might think like, screw that. I'm going to throw a four verts concept. I'm going to fit it in there where it said, I can just check it into an inside zone. We're five for five in the box and we can go get 10 yards easily. Yeah. That forces them the next play to have to put seven in the box. Now we got more. So it's just that understanding and kind of like recognizing then like, yeah, I can maybe do things. I can throw it in these tight coverages and all that kind of stuff, but my job's going to be a whole lot easier if I just kind of take what they give me and be able to run the ball is, is one of those aspects of taking what they give you. One of the best performances I think I saw from you personally was in the last year's bowl game against South Alabama. Um, especially in those first couple quarters, there were a few throws that you made that it was eye popping, right? With the, uh, with your timing and anticipating, you know, uh, guys breaking down on vertical seams because one of the things I think that that's what you excel at is is timing and anticipation and understanding where those zones are going to be, where those defenders are going to be, and you manipulate them just enough too with your eyes. You know, so to you, when you look at your skill set, what is it that you hang your hat on as a prospect? Uh, something that I really feel like I, I excel in is I feel like I'm a really high processor. Um, I feel like I see the field really well post-snap. Um, you know, part of becoming a really great player is being able to see everything pre-snap and then turn it in a post-snap read. But I feel like I do a phenomenal job post-snap of seeing what a defense is doing. Uh, don't feel like I'm fooled very often. Uh, a lot of times if it's an incomplete pass or something like that, it's because I made a mistake or something like that. But I feel like I'm hardly ever, like, purely fooled by defense. And I feel like I attribute that to, like, how high of a processor I am and just having a really good football IQ and understanding where people are going to be and how space is going to be. Uh, I feel like that's kind of the benefit of being in an air raid offense is you really like learn how to manipulate space and find the open space. Uh, whereas to have being in a true I formation pro style offense where you do play action. Okay. First big post isn't there. Second reads not there now and down to the back, you know, as an air raid guy, you truly understand spacing and, and where the defense gives you open, open zones. So, Truly, I feel like just my high processing and also knowing like football, like having a good football IQ in the sense of being able to apply it onto the field and 
go out there and make it happen in that aspect is what I feel like I really excel at. And then MTSU this year, right? I was I wasn't there. I wasn't able to be there in person. Um, MTSU is my. It's probably. I, I guess you could call it my home school, right? It's real close to where I live. It's the closest school to where I live. And I go up there all the time. And MCSU kind of threw a lot of match four. They ran a lot of match four this year. Perfect. And so you're talking about versions of, of quarters and all that. Match four is something that's being used a lot across the NFL. There's 12 or 15 teams that are running it a lot right now. Uh, is that something that you've kind of considered looking at ahead to is seeing – Hey, you know, as I'm getting into this draft process, am, am I starting to look at what defenses are running at the next level, and have I faced them? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, I we we faced a couple of exotic defenses this year, like Jacksonville State was one that ran a lot of crazy stuff, and you know, there was a couple other teams that just run like this or this three three stack box, and they got people moving all over the field, and it's like just this whole big cluster, you know what? And so it's like a those are weird games, but when you, you you play teams who like have a lot more pro style defenses, um, I felt like Ohio State was kind of one of those defenses too that just kind of they they lined up in the box and yeah they rotated a little bit for for the most part you knew what they were going to do and they just did it because they had the guys to run it and so yeah. when you can go out there and, and face a team like that where you know you kind of get to see for lack of a better word you get to see just more structured defenses and and ones that like you end up you can end up seeing on Sunday. Obviously, you kind of take advantage of those and say, "Hey, like this is my chance to go out there and show like I can I can play against that kind of a defense and go out there and just be able to operate in that kind of an environment." Right, right, right. What was uh, what was your pregame meal slash routine? What was what did Austin Reed do for you know the three four hours pregame? That yeah, I, uh, chicken and rice every single time. I'm a yeah. big chicken and rice guy. Chicken and rice probably six days out the week. Uh, that's <laughs> also a diet thing so i can keep my weight down um i am one of those guys that i don't like to get a lot fired up before games uh, when i was younger i used to do the really loud rap music and getting going and getting fired up and nowadays it's more like relaxed like country music up until about an hour before when it becomes uh like worship music and i kind of get into that mindset and start praying and kind of getting in that in that mindset you know my faith's a big deal to me and so I try to stay even keel because I'm already competitive enough and I'm already fiery enough. I don't need to add any more to that. <laughs> yeah. It's like kind of trying to counterbalance it. Cause like, Hey, I don't got to get fired up anymore. When those lights come on, I'll turn into that guy already. Like right. let's stay even keel up until then. I thought I was the only one. I turned on Gavin DeGraw before every hockey game and everything's <laughs> weird. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it, I don't want to, I don't want to get weirder and listen to rock and, it just makes my mind go crazy. So that's good. I'll give you an idea too, Austin, because I don't know if you're familiar with Gregorian chant, but you want to talk about some calming music. Ooh, man, <laughs> that's some good stuff right there. Yeah. Don't get all weird on him, John. <sighs> Can't help it. I'm a nerd. Jarvis, you got it. You got another question down there. Yeah, I got, I got two here. You mentioned kind of the aspect of you running more of the air raid style offense. You get a feel for space compared to if you're running more, traditional pro style offense can you kind of expand on that and explain what you mean by like you get a better feel for for space yeah you know a lot of the air raid concepts are like full field concepts you know you're like for instance a lot of times we'd have a man concept and a zone concept on either side so we'd run like spot double slant and you know which side was your zones beater you knew which side was your man beater they kind of had answers for everything and you weren't just confined to like a okay this is the first read this is the second read if it's not there dumb down the back like you really get to see the field and then also having like the keys to the car, as we like to call it, you know, I could check into anything. Uh, 
we look like we're getting nickel fire blitz and I want to check a hitch to the to the slot receiver because I don't feel like the safety's rotate rotating down really fast. Boom, let's do that. You know, like it's all that kind of stuff where like just really like manipulating the space and like making the defense wrong at any point. Uh because event you know, at, at some point with the amount of ways that defenses move in college football, there's gonna be space. It's just they rely on a quarterback not being able to process it fast enough to find it in time before pressure gets there. And so for me, it was just like finding that space and taking advantage of it, whether it was checks, you know, sometimes it'd be third and eight and, you know, everybody's thinking, Oh, we got to press, we got to shoot it down the field. You know, I know they're bringing nickel fire. I know they're rotating as some kind of like three cover three, but they're trying to send somebody out of the box. Let me just throw a quick screen out there real quick. It's going to out leverage them. And even though I didn't throw it past the line of scrimmage, you know, we're still going to get those nine yards we need. So kind of just that manipulation of the field and knowing where the open space is and kind of just taking control of that. So you're kind of talking about, you're talking about like, as opposed to running traditional reads, one, two, three progression, you're talking about reading coverages and reacting to the space. As opposed, that's, that's the description that you're using to describe between, you know, what you've learned between those two offenses. Sure. Yeah, totally. And we had our like shot plays where it was like, Hey, we're in seven man protection. We got a corner post over here. You got a long, deep, like, uh, dagger route across the field. And then you also got your flat. Like, we had those, and I could do that. But I felt like in the air raid, you know, you really get to understand how to manipulate a defense and really work into finding open space against the defense because it's more like finding space concepts. It's more like just taking advantage of what they're giving you. Mm-hmm. I would also ask, too, you mentioned, like, something like the, the safety not rotating down quick enough. Is that something that you kind of – pick up intuitively in the middle of a game, you recognize things like that? Or is that something that you do a lot of pregame prep to understand some of those things of how you manipulate a, a specific defense? Uh, you know, I think it's a little of both. You know, obviously you've got to have your film work and you're able to read tendencies on guys like, okay, this guy has bad hit, not really well at, he's not really good at turning. He's not going to break on like an out route or a comeback route because he's got bad hips. Uh, and then you got like ones where you're like, okay, this guy really kind of keeps his eyes in the backfield a little bit longer than he should. So you're able to maybe – put it in there for the mesh point a second longer and then spit it out to that quick screen really quick. That's the kind of stuff that you notice on film. Then you just notice as the ebb and flow of how the game goes, you start finding where that space is. You start seeing how they're playing you this game because everybody came out with a different kind of game for us and they would put on film because everybody knew how much threw the ball and kind of how we operate. So it's just like finding that healthy balance of both, but not getting like stuck on what you see in film because a lot of times what you see on film, just they come out with a completely different thing on Saturday. Gotcha. And I'll throw out one more, too, if you, if you don't mind sure. me throwing this out, John. Yeah, go ahead, Jarvis. Um, you mentioned your faith and how it's a big thing to you. Do you mind kind of expanding on that and just talking about your faith a little bit? Yeah, you know, thankfully I was raised in a in a home with the, like, faith was just an important value and that had gotten instilled on me since I was a young child. And I'm very blessed to have two parents that kind of, like, hey, we're going to, this is how it's going to be. And I grew up in that. And then eventually as I got older, you know, it became my own. And now, you know, I've kind of tried to look at this football thing through the lens of that and kind of understand, hey, like, hey, what's the Lord's plan and all this stuff? And, you know, I like to think that the Lord's like using this football thing as a vessel for me to, you know, serve his purpose out in the world. And, you know, everybody's got their job in the Great Commission. And I, I, I like to think that this is kind of mine and this is my way to bring attention to God. And, you know, hopefully he uses me as a football player for that purpose. And, you know, every single day that I wake up, is because of him. And the only reason I'm even here is because of him. And so I don't truly believe that my life or this football career is really mine because I felt like it was given to me. And so what I try to do, what I try to do is, you know, keep that into perspective and 
then keep the main thing the main thing. And while I love playing ball, and you probably haven't met a human being in this world that loves football as much as I do, uh, you know, like this is at the end of the day, not just about football. And I have to remind myself of that and remind myself of why I'm being given this opportunity and hopefully to bring glory to him at the end of the day. And what, what's your Instagram handle again, Austin? It is God is great 16. I've had it like that since. Well, I had it as different things with different football numbers. So when I was at West Florida, it was God is great 14. But it's been God is great since I was in like seventh grade. <laughs> it's one of the things that caught my attention about him, guys. I'm just pointing that out. Uh, so I want to ask you about your favorite concept to run. And I told you I was going to ask you about this. What's that go to? You just love this. And even maybe what kind of – is there a different one based on defenses that you're looking at? Yeah, my favorite – for any air raid guy, they'll kind of know what I'm talking about. You know, just that 65, like 95 concept uh, in like, you know, Y cross as other people like to call it. Uh, we call it God's play at Western Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's just your standard uh, yes or no go on the outside. Uh, you know, it's just two by two. You got your yes or no go on the outside. In the slot, you got like a 10 to 12 yard out. At the slot on the opposite side, you have your, your standard Y cross route. And then on the outside, on the right side, you know, you'll have your post, you'll have your post curl, which turns into a post dig against man. And then you have your check swing from your running back out the flat. So it's an air raid sta staple. Uh, I love it because I feel like there's answers to everything. Um, I, I feel like if you're getting like that match four is when you're going to be able to get that out. You're going to be able to get that out route. You know, when you're getting that th that cover three where they're buzzing to the flats, that's when you might get that cross across the field. Or if they really fly down to that cross, Cover three, who doesn't love throwing a curl in that? So now you got your post curl. If everything drops out of there, you got your back swinging. If you get like some sort of cover two, that cross can split those two safeties. So I, I feel like that play kind of just has an answer for everything. Every air raid guy kind of loves that play. And yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's interesting that you use that you mentioned wide cross because I asked uh, Carson Strong the same thing at the 2022 NFL Combine. That's exactly the concept that he went into was wide cross. Yeah, so it is. It is. Yeah, it's a it is a favorite by quarterbacks, but it's always interesting to hear because it. I think it gives it gives me an idea where your headspace is in terms of where you, where you like to process the way that you think about the game. Um, Cam, I thought it was funny you said that too because that play has something for every quarterback, and I think like it, we watch NFL tape all the time, and you'll see like Joe Burrow loves that that potential go. Mahomes loves that that crosser. Um, I think each quarterback, you'll see them kind of pick up. You'll, you'll see their tendencies of like what they really like to throw consistently and what their what their skill set allows them to do. It's just kind of interesting to hear you pick that play because I feel like we hear quarterback coaches talk about that play. Quarterbacks, you know, analysts love it. It's just so I I don't know what else I expected, but it's it's really cool to hear you say that. And it's it's a uh, it's also cool to hear your outlook, but um, how humble you are with this whole thing, and um, you know, just the way you look at life and football. I think that's really important. And I think, you know, be yourself too. When, with these, these interviews coming up, keep, you know, keep this energy because um, nothing good comes from being arrogant. And I don't think you are at all, but uh, you're going to have some weird questions coming up, some weird interviews. Um, you're going to, you're going to lose sleep or you're going to, you're not going to get a lot of sleep. That's for sure. Um, the combine is weird. Um, but, you know, just keep up this energy. And well, I, I had another question just about the Shrine Bowl coming up because you're about to do that at the beginning of February, right? Right. Um, what, do you, what are you looking forward to? What do, what do you know already about it? What's what's the agenda for that? Like, what? how do you go into that? What What's the, the preparation process? Yeah, no, I'm really excited for it. Um, 
I, I bet I know every qu- other quarterback that's going to the Shrine Bowl besides Keaton. I don't know Keaton yet, but I know Devin, I know Cam, and I know Jordan. So super excited to kind of work with those guys and and be around really talented quarterbacks who are also going through the draft process. Um, you know, I've talked to Eric Galco for the last several months, and we've had that relationship for a while. And when he invited me to the game, you know, I was over the moon and immediately accepted it. And I'm really like blessed to be able to go play in that game. Uh, I'm really excited to be able to just compete against really high level players. Uh, you know, you look at the Shrine Bowl roster and there's a lot of guys who lit up this season. There's guys who lit up the bowl season. So I'm really excited to just compete against other guys who there's going to be a lot of guys there who end up getting drafted uh, and just yeah. compete against like some of the best players in the country. And, you know, I view myself on that level and, you know, to be invited to that, uh, was a huge deal for me. I, I view myself on that level. Um, and, you know, it was really nice to kind of be able to have that opportunity to then compete on that level. And we'll see how it goes at the end of the day. I'm just going to go out there and spin a little bit, have a good time, yeah. enjoy the practices, enjoy the interviews and all that jazz. And hopefully it's a pretty good week. Yeah. It's just football at the end of the day, you know? No doubt. Yeah. Jarvis, you got anything else down there? Uh, nope. I think I'm good. Austin, uh, last thing I've got for you. Really, I guess is what's the what you talked about the goal being to bring more glory to God. Uh, is there a specific team? Is there like what is there? Is there some sort of pipe dream for you down the line through this process where you want to end up? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. My whole career has kind of been this roller coaster, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, like I wasn't a highly recruited high school kid. Um, I, I had to go Division two to earn my name. From Division Two, I had to go up to Division One, and win a quarterback battle that I probably wasn't supposed to win. And from there, then I had a season I probably wasn't supposed to have, and I've had a career I really wasn't supposed to ever have. And so, for me, I kind of know I'm not one of the more known names in the NFL draft process, and I'm not probably one of those names the media is super hyped up about. But for me, you know, I really wouldn't expect it any other way. Uh, that's kind of how my whole career has been. And I know I just got to get my foot in the door in the NFL. And eventually, if that's what the Lord's will for me is, then it'll work out. And I truly believe at the end of the day, I'll, I'll make this NFL thing happen the way that I've made everything else happen. And whether that's the hard road and that's the one that's not, you know, the easiest one, I, I wouldn't expect it any other way. And I truly believe, you know, if, if it's God's will, I, I have a chance to go out there and continuously compete and continuously prove myself and have a long NFL career and have success. And I don't know what that success looks like yet, but I know that. Just with how my career has gone, I just expect in some way the Lord will come through and there will be a way for me to have a successful career. Austin, is, uh, first off, really glad to finally have the opportunity to talk to you, you know, uh, as face-to-face as it can be over, you know, this call. But, yeah, yeah, dude, I think you're going to kill it. Uh, they don't know you yet. That's the key word, I think. It's not it's yet. You know, I think you're going to go down there. I'm excited to see what happens with you at the Shrine Bowl. I'm excited to see what happens with you through the process. Uh, hopefully, see you in Indianapolis as well. Yeah, I think we'll see um, you there. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure yeah. we're going to. But uh, hopefully, we'll see you down there and reconnect and all that, and see you and update and see what's going on in the life of Austin Reed through the process. So good luck through it, dude. No and uh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great for you, Austin. No, I appreciate yeah, man, we'll it. We'll be rooting for you. I appreciate it. Thank y'all. Yes, sir. Austin Reed, quarterback, Western Kentucky. And uh, that's going to about wrap up our episode, guys. Uh, again, thanks to Austin Reed for joining us. Yeah, He's a guy I really liked last year. <laughs> guys, I really liked him last year. You know, when I was watching, I was surprised he didn't come out right away, if I'm being honest. But um, 
I'm really, really grateful that we got that opportunity. Has you guys got any final thoughts or anything before we wrap this thing up? Jarvie, go ahead. Yeah, I just was impressed with the depth uh, across the board, whether it was discussing, you know, faith or discussing how you attack defenses. I think that's one of the biggest things is trying to pose those questions that, you know, kind of bring out the, those insightful answers. And I think I think we got the right questions, and I think uh, he gave us good answers. So it was a fun interview and uh, looking forward to seeing the Shrine. And like you guys mentioned, he's probably going to be an Indy. So hopefully mm-hmm. see him there yeah. too. Yeah. No, good kid. I'm. That's that was that was awesome to have him on. So, thanks for setting that up, John. And uh, you're the only one who can actually call him a kid because you're the oldest one on here. Yeah. Well, how, <laughs> how, how how old are we all? Let's get this out the way real quick on the pod. How old are we all? Twenty seven. Jarvis, twenty seven. Jarvis, you're in the middle on this. You go. You go second. I'll go last. I'm thirty three. Oh man, okay, that makes me feel a lot better. I'm 25 and a half. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. See, you're the old guy here. All right, yeah. guys, we're gonna be back at it later on this week. And uh, Shane, get us out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.